It's 10 o'clock on the West Coast, 9 o'clock on the East Coast. It is 2 p.m. in London, 7.30 in Mumbai, India. In Kyoto, Japan, 11 o'clock at night. And here in Malaysia, it's a return to the Dark Ages. I'm Jay Sheldon. I'm not wearing pants. Because that's what we do when we work from home. We don't wear pants. Welcome in. Hello. Welcome to... All of our friends across the planet, from the U.S. to the U.K. to India, Australia, New Zealand, where I have no idea what's going on with this insane dictatorships down there, but that's fine, whatever. Um, And of course, to our podcast listeners, the folks who uh, listen after the show to the audio-only part of our show, numbers are doing great. Thank you so much for all the downloads and subscriptions to our podcast podcast on Spotify, Radio Public, Stitcher, uh, Geo7, all those different places. We, we, we love you. Thank you so much for that. Really do appreciate it. And uh, yeah, so we've, uh, we took Christmas off. We had a, a little minor break in our show and uh, we came back tonight uh, to join you. And uh, we got lots of crap to talk about too. We're going to talk about all kinds of things going on, not only in Malaysia, but around the world. Uh, Malaysia, because that's where I live, so of course we're going to talk about that. Uh, but right now, we're going to talk about this. Miko Update. Miki, 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 Miko Update. <laughs> Miko Update is that uh, she has a new toy. She made out like a bandit for Christmas. We're up to... 18 soft toys this woman has, and she can't get enough. Her new one has another squeaky in it, so she's still trying to figure out how to make it squeak herself. But um, she's doing really well. Let me share with you a couple of shots here from from the little lady. This was this afternoon. She's laying out on her fur rug. Very comfy rug. And uh, here's a nice close-up of that adorable face. Yeah, she is. Uh, she's quite the camera queen. Um, and uh, one more. Where is it? There we go. We went to uh, Dessa Park City, uh, which is a very dog friendly park. And uh, we hung out there with a whole bunch of other uh, a whole bunch of other dog owners, fur babies, paw parents or paw rents. And uh she had a grand old time. And not only that, she got to meet one of her favorite people on earth, Santa Claus. <laughs> Santa was there. So there is dear Miko and uh, a big fat jolly Santa Claus from uh, the waterfront at Dessa Park City. So thanks to uh, the folks there. We had a great time. It was a lot of fun. She, uh, she thoroughly enjoyed herself. So yeah. Uh, also coming up, we have a new book tonight. We finished A Christmas Memory, uh, just the stream before Christmas. So we're going to do a new book tonight, and we will have that for you. Uh, what else have we got? Oh, yeah. Uh, what do we got? We got this. I'm telling you. 
as you know, we've had incredibly bad flooding here in Malaysia. We talked about it extensively on the stream for the last three or four shows. Um, we had some more rain today. Thankfully, right where I live, it didn't rain. But a lot of places got some more rain. And the forecast from the meteorology department of Malaysia, MET, I think they call it, um, is, uh, is for more rain between now and uh, the middle of this week. So uh, potentially, and you know, so many of my friends said it, it's exactly the way I felt. They see the rains coming in, they see the dark clouds in the sky, and that fear sets in like, oh no, here we go again. Um, fortunately, wasn't that bad today. We'll see what tomorrow brings. But uh, one of the most absurd things that has happened, well, there's been a bunch, but has been the uh, thing that's uh, been, been kind of viraled over the internet of a, uh, I don't know, some VIP with a police escort and an, an ambulance, apparently with its license siren on, on the way to an emergency or maybe with a patient, I don't know, the details were not given, but they stopped the ambulance to let this VIP motorcade go through. One of my friends, this is a public post, so I'm not sharing anything that's not public. One of my friends posted this. Uh, this is the, you see the, they're stopping, they're stopping a motorcade over here. They stopped the traffic, the police, all for this ambulance on its way to an emergency. So everything stops because that comes first. And then only, you see, I have no idea what insignia that is. But then you see this, that looks like China, the VIP and his escort coming through. Now here is the footage from Malaysia, where the VIP and tons of escort cars is sent through. And if you look on the side road, once, like, how many cars are there, for God's sake? Okay, if you look there, right there, lights on, ambulance, on the way to or from an emergency, headed to the hospital, wherever, and they stop that to let the VIP through. Now, today, I believe, or yesterday, they came out with a statement saying that they were trying to avoid an accident, and so they let the VIP go through, and then first priority was the ambulance right after that. Well, I call bullshit. Can I say bullshit? I don't know, but I just did. And it's my show, so I say what I want. If you don't like it, find another show. An ambulance, fire department vehicles, police vehicles on their way to an emergency, our number one priority. I don't give a crap who you are. The Queen of England, the President of the United States, whoever you are, you are not as important as an ambulance, a police car, or a fire truck on its way to an emergency where sometimes seconds count. I've been there. I was in law enforcement in Florida before I moved here, and I will tell you, we charge people with failure to give way for emergency vehicles. Bullcrap. No excuses. 
an ambulance, a fire truck, a police car is on the way to an emergency, everything stops and they go first. And I don't give a crap who you are. No excuses. Disgusting. Unfreaking believable. And yet, there you go. Okay, there, I said my piece about that. I'm serious as a heart attack. Serious as a heart attack. All right, what else do we have going on? Oh, I know, we were going to, uh, JJ, hey! Welcome in, JJ, nice to have you here. All right, why am I hearing my applause from the studio audience and my other speaker? My speakers are so screwed up tonight. JJ, I might need your help with some sound problems. <laughs> All right, uh, one... <laughs> All right, we gotta switch gears here because we're tired of being serious. Uh, lick your TV. That was our headline tonight on our thumbnail, uh, just to try and get your attention and hopefully maybe invite you into the stream to figure out exactly what was going on. And this story, it's true, it's real, and it's from those crazy, wacky friends at World of Buzz. We love World of Buzz. The link is in the show notes tonight. Links to all the stuff we talk about. You'll find them in the show notes or in the description down below. So check it out. But yeah, taste your TV. Uh, it had to happen. And if it was going to happen, of course, it had to be Japan. It had to be Japan. A Japanese professor has invented a lickable screen that imitates food flavors. Serious, huh? Check it out. There's the picture. Yeah, I mean, it looks a little weird. I think maybe they need this pixelated. But apparently it's true. Have you ever watched a cooking show, wondered how the food actually tastes? In the near future, you might actually get the chance by licking your TV screen. In fact, a prototype screen that does just that has actually been made by a Japanese professor. Reported by the Guardian, Homer Miyashita, a professor at Tokyo Meiji University, invented a prototype screen that imitates food flavors when you lick them. It's called the Taste the TV or TTTV uses a carousel of 10 flavor canisters that spray in certain combinations to create the taste of a particular food. And the sample then rolls onto a hygienic film over a flat TV screen for the viewer to try it. Now, you see this? You see this? This is my hand phone. If you think for one moment, I am going to lick this, <laughs> you, <laughs> you are sadly mistaken because I know where this phone's been. That ain't going to happen. But it exists. It actually exists. Uh, Miyashita said his invention could prove crucial in this COVID-19 era. It would enhance the way people connect and interact with the outside world, the, further, uh, the professor further asserted. You just know where this is going to go, right? I, I, I don't even have to say it because you know where this is going to go. 
It's a foregone conclusion, trust me. You know what I'm talking about. But it's here, it's been invented, it's in a prototype stage, and yes, one of these days, you may be invited to lick your TV or lick your handphone to taste what you see. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing these stories. <laughs> uh, people ask what my show's about, and my first answer is it's about an hour. My second answer, it's just about the weird crap I find online that I want to share with you. It's just a bunch of old friends getting together to chit-chat about the weird stuff. We don't get awfully political all the time. Occasionally, I'll have a rather strong opinion, like on the front of today's show. But uh, mostly, we just share the cool stuff. And let me tell you, this is the cool stuff. This launched on, if I'm not mistaken, Christmas Day. This is the James Webb Space Telescope. And check this out. Here is the live launch when it happened. It's not live now. Yeah, December 25th. There's the countdown. There's the breakaway. Engines igniting. Firing up. Check that out. Look at that. This telescope is, you know, the Hubble, everybody knows the Hubble. This telescope, when it gets into position, will allow us to see things unimaginable, things that we have never, ever been able to see b before. The technology behind this, which took decades, if I'm not mistaken, to create, just launched two days ago into space, and once it gets up there and it gets set and everything goes well, we pray, this thing will let us see things that we never imagined. I am such a geek when it comes to this stuff. Look at that. Cloudy day, but off it goes into the wild blue yonder. Man, that's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Haven't had any updates on how it's been going or how the launch finally wound out, but uh, uh, I can't wait. I can't wait to see what it finds. Mm. Okay. Speaking of finds, here's a weird find. A perfectly preserved dinosaur embryo in China. Again, this is from World of Buzz. Links in the show notes tonight in the description. This picture here, hang on, let me get my mouse back. There you go. This picture here was all that was accompanying a couple of the articles that I saw. And I thought, well, obviously it's an artist's rendition. But this is the actual photograph of the dinosaur embryo that was found in China. It's a long way from this artist's rendition, but it has been perfectly preserved. It is amazing. Scientists have announced the discovery of a perfectly preserved dinosaur embryo that was preparing to hatch from its egg. It was discovered in Guangzhou, southern China. Researchers estimated to uh, be about 66 million years old. Also believed to be a toothless theropod dinosaur, also known as Ovaraptorosaur, something like that. Uh, they nicknamed it Baby Yingliang. <laughs> There's another picture. 
It means egg thief lizard. Feathered dinosaur lived in what is now Asia and North America during the late uh, Cretaceous period, about around 100 million to 66 million years ago. Uh, it is the best dinosaur embryo ever found in history. I don't know if it includes any DNA, but if you're getting any ideas, you can just put that crap to sleep, okay? Do not get any ideas. There have been movie made, movies made about how badly that goes. So <laughs> keep that in mind. But yeah, very cool find. Uh, completely and perfectly preserved dinosaur egg at the point where it was just about to hatch, which is pretty amazing. All right. Hey, we mentioned the uh, we mentioned the floods. We, we didn't talk a lot about it tonight. In some of our previous shows, you can find lists of places you can help if you'd like to help. We encourage you, of course, to do that, as we've been doing now for a week or two. But there have been a couple of uh, amazing stories that have come up, including this one. It's in our, our show notes tonight. Uh, again, from the great folks at World of Buzz, rescuers rushed to break into a house in Sri Muda, which is one of the area's worst hit in Klang Valley uh, by the floods, to save a soon-to-deliver pregnant woman. Yeah. Look at these pictures. Again, if you're listening on the podcast, I'm sorry. Go over to Rumble or Twitch or YouTube channel or Facebook. You can check out our uh, our video version of the show where you can actually see what we're talking about. But you can see this woman's home was just completely flooded. It's uh, the this looks like the downstairs, which it's starting to head up the stairs, and so they actually wound up breaking into the house. Uh, floods continued in Taman Sri Muda, Sha'alam, vastly improved now, but uh, the terrifying moments that victims had to endure. Uh, December 19th, which was just last uh, week ago Sunday, uh, completely submerged in Sri Muda. A man had to stay awake the whole night, keeping his eye on his pregnant wife, who was scheduled to deliver the baby in two days' time. No signs of incoming help. Uh, Zul expressed his concern via a Facebook post. Uh, as of seven in the morning, the water had risen as high as seven feet. There's a picture there again. First floor of the house completely submerged, and the family wound up seeking shelter on the upper floor of their home. Insane. Look at this. Look at some of these shots. It says, my wife was crying. The kids were wondering why. I could only ask them to hug their mom. Oh, man. Breaks your heart. Um, the World of Buzz folks reached out to Zul yesterday. Uh, well, that would be 23rd of December. And according to him, his wife had successfully undergone an operation to deliver the baby. And as of yesterday, the baby boy is in good condition. The wife has been safely discharged and from the hospital. And the kids are currently staying with his mother. So congratulations. Wow. What a great, great story from uh, World of Buzz. Again, there's these, these little moments, and there's thousands and thousands of them. Stories. Uh, the, the, is it the Viva guy? In his little uh, Viva with the kayak strapped to the roof, who's been just amazing. He's gone viral here. There's been so many incredible stories and so many people who have lent a hand in so many ways. Uh, and they're just average, everyday folks 
who take the time to care. Uh, in addition to the average everyday folks, some other folks have stepped up to help, whom no matter, even if you're not in Malaysia, you will still know who they are. And this article, which is in the show notes tonight, is from the uh, New Straits Times. Yes, that is Michelle Yeoh, who joined the armed forces to help in the cleanup efforts in Taman Sri Muda. Yeah, our very own amazing actress, Michelle Yeoh, who hails from Malaysia, of course. This is her home, and uh, from Penang, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, she showed up and pitched in. Uh, Malaysian-born international film star Tan Sri Michelle Yeoh. Uh, if you're not from Malaysia, Tan Sri is an honorary title given to people who've done good things for the country. And uh, she lent a helping hand on Christmas during the cleanup, uh, joined by Berjaya Group founder Tan Sri Vincent Tan. And uh, so a big thanks to uh, Tan Sri Tan. Yo and Tan took part in the post-flood cleanups with a team from the 502nd Territorial Army under the 4th Malaysian Infantry Division, uh, Sha'alam City Council, and the Taiwan Buddhist Su Chi Malaysia Foundation. And uh, so they were out... Uh, there's some of the uh, pictures from some of the uh, video rather from the uh, from the floods taken on Sunday about a week plus a week and a day ago just unbelievable wow so yeah uh, thank you a big thank you and you know people will complain that you know people like Tan Sri uh, Vincent Tan or Michelle Yeoh uh, you know are just doing it from the publicity for the publicity uh, in fact we've seen a lot of that and yes in some cases these people are out just taking pictures and doing the bare minimum and I mean the bare minimum uh, just for the photo ops for the publicity but in the case of something like Michelle Yeoh uh, Tan Sri Tan them just showing up focuses attention on the problems and the issues and lets people know that there are problems and issues and they wind up getting headlines and more people know about it. And in fact, people in other parts of the world find out about it. So while they actually rolled up their sleeves and their pant legs and jumped in the water and helped out physically, just by them being there, on an international stage, it does help, whether it's because we get more donations financially, uh, people wanting to pitch in because they see someone they admire pitching in and helping. Uh, tons of everyday common Malaysians, as we've talked about to no end on this show for the last few weeks, uh, ever since this tragedy happened, um, have done exactly that, have pitched in. But in the case of some of these folks, like Michelle Yeoh, Tan Sri Tan, getting involved in these things helps in the area of publicity. It helps in ways beyond just what little they can do when they're on the scene. So keep that in mind. People don't look at it that way, but it's quite true. All right. Uh, wonderful story out of Kuching. And I'm going to get this wrong, but bear with me. I have been to Sabah which is on the Borneo island of Malaysia, is two parts. We have Peninsular Malaysia, just below Thailand. Singapore is at the bottom. And then the island of Borneo has two more states on it, Sarawak 
and Sabah. I've been to Sabah. It was a great time. Loved it. I've never been to Sarawak. 20 years here and I haven't been to Sarawak. What's the matter with me? I got to get to Sarawak. And in Sarawak is a, a city town called Kuching. And um, there's a place called Story Kuching on Facebook. You'll find the link in our show notes. But this is an absolutely brilliant uh, write-up that they did here on Story Kuching. And it shows a picture of this uh, cafe and their Christmas tree, all decorated for the holidays. And uh, it, it goes like this. You can read it for yourself. You'll find it in the show notes. The other day, a Chinese customer entered our cafe and asked, why do you have a Christmas tree? Aren't you Muslim? Isn't it haram? No, it's not haram, I replied. It's a nice piece of decoration that we put up once a year. And, I'm, and in Sarawak, we live as one. A lot of my customers asked about the Christmas tree, and all of them are supportive of our idea of being open-minded, although we are not Christian. During Chinese New Year's, they uh, thought we were Chinese because we decorated the cafe with red lanterns and ang paos. Uh, we cannot listen blindly to what people say. Christmas trees belong to Christians, and you shouldn't have them. I say nonsense, and it is wrong to think that way. It's just a decoration, and we need to be open-minded. In Sarawak, we are not racist. You know it. I mean, everybody knows about it. And I think the rest of Malaysia should see us as an example. That from the founder of Haza Cafe, Hazana Hadzari. I hope I said your name right, uh, Hazana. But congratulations to you. What a brilliant... Yeah. Amazing, amazing attitude, amazing woman, and amazing place. If you're in Kuching, be sure you check out the uh, the cafe. It is uh, it's a cool thing. Those folks in Sabah and Sarawak, love you guys. All right, what else we got? We have a new book coming up. We are going to get to that in just a bit, so don't go too far. Uh, but I got one more thing to share with you. And this, of course, from uh, my dear friend Dennis, who posts some of the coolest stuff. It's a public post, so I'm not giving away any, any trade secrets. But uh, every now and then we find things that apply to us older folks. But if you're young, and by young I mean under 40, I know that's not so young. But you need to listen to this because it's going to sneak up on you. This will help you get prepared. And this is right on the nose. Don't know who wrote it. The link's in our show notes if you want to read it yourself or share it. Uh, it says, this is a very thought-provoking article. Makes you stop and think. Indeed it does. And then it is winter, you know. Time is a way of moving quickly. And catching you unaware of the passing years. It seems just yesterday when I was young, just married, embarking on my new life with my mate, yet in a way, it seems like eons ago. And I wonder, where did all those years go? I know that I lived them all. I have glimpses of how it was back then and all of my hopes and dreams, but here it is, 
the winter of my life, and it catches me by surprise. How did I get here so fast? Where did the years go, and where did my youth go? I remember well seeing older people going through the years and thinking that those older people were years away from me, and the winter was so far off I couldn't fathom it or imagine fully what it would be like, but here it is. My friends are retired, getting gray, they move slower, and I see an older person now. Some are better, some worse shaped than me, but I see the great change, not like the ones that I remember who were young and vibrant, but like me, their age is beginning to show. And we're now those older folks that we used to see and never thought we'd be. Each day now I find just getting a shower is a real target for the day. Taking a nap is no longer a treat, it's mandatory. Because if I don't on my own free will, I'll just fall asleep where I sit. And so now I enter into this new season of my life unprepared for all the aches and pains and the loss of strength and ability to go and do things that I wish I'd done but never did. But at least I know that through the winter, though the winter has come, and I'm not sure how long it will last, this I know that when it's over on this earth, it's not over. A new adventure will begin. Yes, I have regrets. There are things I wish I hadn't done, things I should have done. But indeed, there are many things I'm happy to have done. It's all in a lifetime. So, if you're not in the winter yet, let me remind you that it'll be here faster than you think. So whatever you'd like to accomplish in your life, do it quickly. Don't put things off for too long. Life goes by quickly. So do what you can today as you can never be sure whether this is your winter or not. You have no promise you'll see the seasons of your life. So live for today and say all the things that you want your loved ones to remember and hope that they appreciate and love you for all the things you've done for them in the past years. Life is a gift. The way you live your life is your gift to those who come after. Make it a fantastic one. Live it well. Enjoy today. Do something fun. Be happy. Have a great day. Remember, health is real wealth, not pieces of gold and silver. Live happy this year and every year. Your kids are becoming you. Going out is good. Coming home is better. You forget names, but it's okay because other people forgot they even knew you. You realize you're never going to be really good at anything. The things you used to care to do, you no longer care to do, but you really do care that you don't care to do them anymore. You sleep better on a lounge chair with the TV blaring than in bed. It's called pre-sleep. You miss the days when everything worked with just an on and off switch. You tend to use more four-letter words like what, when, when. And now you can afford expensive jewelry. It's not safe to wear it anywhere. You notice everything they sell in stores is sleeveless. 
What used to be freckles are now liver spots. Everybody whispers. You have three sizes of clothes in your closet, two of which you'll never wear. But old is good in some things. Old songs, old movies, and best of all, old friends. Stay well, old friend. Send this on to other old friends and let them laugh in agreement. It's not what you gather, but what you scatter that tells what kind of life you've lived. Very nice. Great article, and again, it is in our show notes. If you want to check it out, you can do that, and you can share it with your friends, post it up yourself on your own, uh, <coughs> excuse me, on your own uh, page. So, all right, that having been said, it's time for a brand new book. Uh, we've explained this more than once. I'm going to do it again in case you're new to our our live stream, our video replay, or our podcast, audio-only part of the show. Um, we read books in the last part of our show, and we do that because we want to encourage you to read. We want to encourage you to read to your kids, you to encourage your kids to read, and if you want, bring them up here in the second half of the show. Turn on the TV or the internet or the live stream or the podcast and have them listen in because science has proven that being read to creates the same things going on in a child's brain that them reading themselves. Very important they read themselves, but if they're not able or they don't want to at the moment, read to them. It does the same thing as when they themselves read. And uh, we finished another book. We are doing the classics. They all come to us from the Gutenberg Project, gutenberg.org, and uh, they're all public domain. We wanted, to, uh, we wanted to start a new book tonight, and I thought about it, and I thought, yeah, we've had some votes for this in the past. People have said you should read this one. So we're going we're gonna to do it. It's by the incredible Mark Twain, Samuel L. Clemens, otherwise known as Mark Twain, and it is The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. It's from 1876, and it's about a boy growing up along the Mississippi River. It's set in the 1840s in the town of St. Petersburg, which is based on Hannibal, Missouri, which is where Twain lived as a boy. In the novel, Tom Sawyer has several adventures, often with his friend Huckleberry Finn. Originally, the book was a commercial failure. Nobody was interested. It ended up being the best selling of any of Twain's work in his lifetime. It was overshadowed by its sequel, which is The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, which we might read when we're done with Tom Sawyer. And the book is considered by many to be an absolute masterpiece of American literature. Interesting little bit of trivia about The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. It is one of the first novels ever to be written on a typewriter. How cool is that? Yeah. <laughs> How about that? All right. Well, let's get on with it then. Uh, the preface which was written by Mark Twain when he lived in my home state, Hartford, Connecticut, in 1876. 
He says most of the adventures recorded in this book really occurred. One or two were experiences of my own. The rest of those boys who were schoolmates of mine. Huck Finn is drawn from life. Tom Sawyer also, but not from an individual. He's a combination of the characteristics of three boys whom I knew and therefore belongs to the composite order of architecture. The odd superstitions touched upon were all prevalent among children and slaves in the West at the period of the story, that is to say, 30 or 40 years ago. Although my book is intended mainly for the entertainment of boys and girls, I hope it will not be shunned by men and women on that account. For part of my plan has been to try to pleasantly remind adults of what they once were themselves, and of how they felt and thought and talked, and what queer enterprises they sometimes engaged in. <laughs> and so it is Chapter One of The Amazing Tom Sawyer. Tom! No answer. Tom! No answer. What's gone with that boy, I wonder? You, Tom! No answer. The old lady pulled her spectacles down and looked over them about the room. Then she put them up and looked out from under them. She seldom or never looked through them, for so small a thing as a boy. They were her stale state pair, the pride of her heart, and they were built for style, not service. She could have seen through a pair of stove lids just as well. She looked perplexed for a moment, and then said, not fiercely, but still loud enough for the furniture to hear, Well, if I lay hold of you, I'll... She did not finish, for by this time she was bending down and punching under the bed with a broom and so she needed breath to punctuate the punches with. She resurrected nothing but the cat. I never did see the beat of that boy. She went to the open door and stood in it, looked out among the tomato vines and gypsum weeds, and constituted the garden. No Tom. So she lifted up her voice at an angle calculated for distance and shouted, Yo! Tom! There was a slight noise behind her, and she turned just in time to seize a small boy by the slack of his roundabout and arrest his flight. There! I might have thought of that closet. What were you doing in there? Nothing. Nothing? Look at your hands, and look at your mouth. What is that truck? I don't know, Aunt. Well, I know. It's jam. That's what it is. Forty times I've said if you didn't let that jam alone, I'd skin you. Hand me that switch. The switch hovered in the air. The peril was desperate. My, look behind you, Aunt. The old lady swirled around and snatched her skirt out of danger. The lad fled on the instant, scrambled up the high board fence, and disappeared over it. His Aunt Polly stood surprised for a moment, and then broke into a good gentle laugh. Hang the boy, but I never learn anything. 
Ain't he played me tricks enough like that for me to be looking out for him by this time? But old fools is the biggest fools there is. Can't learn an old dog new tricks, as the saying is. But my goodness, he never plays them alike two days. And how is a body to know what's coming? He appears to know just how long he can torment me before I get my dander up. And he knows if he can make out to put me off for a minute or make me laugh, it's all down again and I can't hit him a lick. I ain't doing my duty by that boy, and that's the Lord's truth, goodness knows. Spare the rod and spoil the child, as the good book says. I'm a-laying up sin and suffering for us both. I know, he's full of the old scratch, but laws of me, he's my own dead sister's boy, poor thing. I ain't got no heart to lash him, somehow. Every time I let him off, my conscience does hurt me so, and every time I hit him, my heart most breaks. Well, oh well, man that is born of woman is of a few days and full of trouble, as the scripture says. I reckon it's so. He'll play hooky this evening. And Southwestern for afternoon. I'll just be obliged to make him work tomorrow to punish him. It's mighty hard to make him work Saturdays when all the boys is having a holiday, but he hates work, and more than he hates anything else, I've got to do some of my duty by him, or I'll be the ruination of that child. Well, Tom did play hooky. He had a very good time. He got back home barely in season to help Jim Small colored boys saw next day's wood split the kindlings before supper. At least he was there in time to tell his adventures to Jim while Jim did three-fourths of the work. Tom's younger brother, or rather half-brother, Sid, was already through with his part of the work, picking up chips, for he was a quiet boy and had no adventurous, troublesome ways. While Tom was eating his supper, stealing sugar as opportunity offered. Aunt Polly asked him questions that were full of guile and very deep, for she wanted to trap him into damaging revelations. Like many other simple-hearted souls, it was her pet vanity to believe she was endowed with a talent for dark and mysterious diplomacy, and she loved to contemplate her most transparent devices as marvels of low cunning. Said she, Tom, it was middlin' warm in school, wasn't it? Yes'm. Powerful warm, warn't it? Yes'm. Didn't you want to go a-swimmin', Tom? A bit of a scare shot through Tom, a touch of uncomfortable suspicion. He searched on Polly's face, but it told him nothing. So he said, uh, No, uh, well... Not very much. The old lady reached out her hand and felt Tom's shirt and said, But you ain't too warm now, though. And it flattered her to reflect she'd discovered that the shirt was dry without anybody knowing that was what she had in her mind. But in her spite, Tom knew where the wind lay now, so he forestalled what might be the next move. Some of us pumped on our heads. Mine's damp yet, see? 
Aunt Polly was vexed to think she'd overlooked that bit of circumstantial evidence and missed a trick. Then she had a new inspiration. Tom, you didn't have to undo your shirt collar where I sewed it to pump on your head, did you? Unbutton your jacket. The trouble vanished out of Tom's face. He opened his jacket, his shirt collar was securely sewed. Bother. Well, go along with you. I'd made sure you'd played hooky and been a-swimming, but I forgive you, Tom. I reckon you were a kind of a singed cat, as the saying is. Better than you look, this time. She was half sorry her sagacity had miscarried, and half glad that Tom had stumbled into obedient conduct for once. But Sidney said, Well, now, if I didn't think you'd sewed his collar with white thread, but it's black. Why, I did sew it with white Tom, but Tom didn't wait for the rest. As he went out the door, he said, City, I'll lick you for that. In a safe place, Tom examined two large needles which were thrust into the lapels of his jacket and had thread bound over them. One needle carried white thread and the other black. He said she'd never have noticed it if it hadn't been for Sid. Confound it. Sometimes she sews it with white, and sometimes she sews it with black. I wish to gee Minnie she'd stick to one or t'other. I can't help keep run of them. I'll bet you I'll laid Sam for that. I'll learn him. He was not the model boy of the village. He knew the model boy very well, though, and loathed him. Within two minutes or even less, he'd forgotten all his troubles. Not because his troubles were one with less heavy and bitter to him than a man's are to a man, but because a new and powerful interest bore them down and drove them out of his mind for the time, just as men's misfortune are forgotten in the excitement of new enterprises. This new interest was a valued novelty in whistling, which he'd just acquired from a negro, and he was suffered to practice it undisturbed. It consisted in a peculiar bird-like turn, a sort of liquid warble produced by touching the tongue to the roof of the mouth at short intervals in the midst of the music. The reader probably would remember how to do it, if he's ever been a boy. Diligence and attention soon gave him the knack of it, and he strode down the street with his mouth full of harmony and his soul full of gratitude. He felt as much an astronomer feels who's discovered a new planet, no doubt as far as strong, deep, unalloyed pleasure is concerned. The advantage was with the boy, not the astronomer. The summer evenings were long. It wasn't dark yet. Presently, Tom checked his whistle. A stranger was before him, a boy a shade larger than himself. A newcomer of any age or either sex was impressive curiosities to the young, poor, little, shabby village of St. Petersburg. This boy was well-dressed, too, well-dressed in a weekday. This was simply astonishing. His cap was a dainty thing, his clothes-buttoned blue cloth roundabout was new and natty, and so were his pantaloons. He had shoes on, and it was only Friday— he even wore a necktie, bright bit of ribbon. 
He had a citified air about him that ate into Tom's vitals. The more Tom stared at the splendid marvel, the higher he turned up his nose at his finery, and the shabbier and shabbier his own outfit seemed to him to grow. Neither boy spoke. If one moved, the other moved, but only sideways, in a circle. They kept face to face all the time. And finally Tom said, I can lick you. I'd like to see you try it. Well, I can do it. No, you can't either. Yes, I can. No, you can't. I can. You can't. Can, can't. An uncomfortable pause. Then Tom said, What's your name? Tidn't any of your business, maybe. Well, I lo, I'll make it my business. Well, why don't you? If you say much, I will. Much, much, much. There now. Oh, you think you're pretty smart, don't you? I could lick you with one hand tied behind me if I wanted to. Well, why don't you do it? You say you can do it. Well, I will if you fool with me. Oh, yes, I've seen whole families in the same fix. Smarty, you think you're some now, don't you? Oh, what a hat. You can lump that hat if you don't like it. I dare you to knock it off, and anybody that'll dake a dare will suck eggs. You're a liar. You're another. You're a fighting liar and doesn't take it up. I take a walk. Say, if you give me much more of your sass, I'll take and bounce a rock off of your head. Oh, of course you will. Well, I will. Well, why don't you do it then? What do you keep saying you will for? Why don't you do it? Because you're afraid. I ain't afraid. You are. I ain't. You are. Another pause. More eyeing, sidling around each other. Presently, they were shoulder to shoulder, and Tom said, Get away from here. Go away yourself. I won't. I won't either. So they stood, each with a foot placed at an angle as a brace, and both shoving with might and main and glowing at each other with hate, but neither would get an advantage. After struggling till both were hot and flushed, each relaxed his strain with watchful caution. And Tom said, You're a coward and a pup. I'll tell my big brother on you, and he can thrash you with his little finger. I'll make him do it, too. What do I care if you're big brother? I've got a big brother that's bigger than he is. And what's more, he can throw him over that fence, too. Both brothers were imaginary. That's a lie. You're just saying so, and it don't make it so. Tom drew a line in the dust with his big toe and said, I dare you to step over that. And I'll lick you till you can't stand up. Anybody that'll take a dare will steal sheep. The new boy stepped over the line promptly and said, Now you said you'd do it. Now let's see you do it. Don't you crowd me now. You better look out. Well, you said you'd do it. Why don't you do it? By jingo, for two cents, I will do it. 
The new boy took two broad coppers out of his pocket, held them out with derision. Tom struck them to the ground. In an instant, both boys were rolling and tumbling in the dirt, grippling together like cats, and for the space of a minute, they tugged and tore at each other's hair and clothes, punched and scratched each other's nose, and covered themselves with dust and glory. Presently, the confusion took form, and through the fog of battle, Tom appeared, seated astride the new boy and pounding him with his fists. Holler enough, he said. The boy only struggled to free himself. He was crying, mainly from rage. Holler enough, and the pounding went on. At last, the stranger got out a smothered, Nuff! And Tom let him up and said, Now, that'll learn you. Better look out who you're fooling with next time. The new boy went off brushing the dust from his clothes, sobbing, sniffling, and occasionally looking back and shaking his head and threatening what he would do to Tom the next time he caught him out. To which Tom responded with jeers, stared off in a high feather. As soon as his back was turned, the new boy snatched up a stone and threw it and hit him between the shoulders and then turned tail and ran like an antelope. Tom chased the trailer home and thus found out where he lived. He then held a position at the gate for some time, daring the enemy to come outside, but the enemy only made faces at him through the window and declined. At last, the enemy's mother appeared and called Tom a bad, vicious, vulgar child and ordered him away. And so he went away. He said he load to lay for that boy. He got home pretty late that night. When he climbed cautiously in the window, he uncovered an ambuscade in the person of his aunt. And when she saw the state his clothes were in, her resolution to turn his Saturday holiday into captivity at hard labor became adamantine in its firmness. And that's chapter one of The Adventures of Tom Sawyer <laughs> by the amazing Mark Twain. Wow. All right, coming up Wednesday on our next stream, we'll continue with chapter two. Classic, classic book, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. All right, my friends, thanks so much for joining. If you'd like to help out, support the show, patreon.com slash jsheldon or locals.com. Also, look for us over there. Look for that logo. There you go, this one up here in the corner. I'm not wearing pants, jsheldon on locals.com and also patreon.com slash jsheldon. I will see you again Wednesday. Invis Toby, we missed you. Hey, sorry, I missed the chat. Uh, work's been keeping me busy. Hope you're doing well. Invis Toby, thank you so much for joining. I, I, I am doing well. A lot to catch up on. We will see you again on Wednesday night. I hope you can join us. Thanks, folks. I'll see you Wednesday. Until then, I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. Good night. Yo.